0: We are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto tech gaming bros. That's right, it's Andy, aka Producer, be by the way or Producer BTW on Twitter. And sitting right across from me is Daniel Gutierrez.
1: What's up at D Gutierrez84 on Twitter?
0: Yeah, and it's uh it's us. I, I know we kind of, our podcasts in the last 2 weeks hasn't sounded like itself <laughs> and I'm going to be honest because if you were paying attention, we have been doing this kind of new video show and I don't know if you've seen it. But it's called. uh, But you should. But you should check it out because first of all, what we've been doing is kind of migrating our block news and a lot of our gaming stuff because we can play games uh, at this Mob Crush Studio. So yes, it has the podcast vibe. We're still shooting the 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 shit and stuff like we always do. But but we missed something. Yeah, something there's was still, missing. Because you
1: can't translate everything that we do in this podcast to the video, th- the setup that we have, and vice versa. Yeah. So we, we tried that. We tried it for those two weeks, and that's what it was.
0: So what are we going to do going forward? We are going to still release a podcast every Tuesday. Now, we have been kind of uh, – we've done so many interviews over the course of the last – you know, we've done a lot. And there's not a lot of companies, uh, you know, to go after – it's not like 2017 was when we started, remember, in yeah, 2018? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we want to be able to deliver two things to you at the podcast. We will have in-depth interviews. And when we do, you'll get your Coin Boys special, You know, which is what we our bread and butter, where we dig into these people's lives, who, where are they from, who are they, and what do they do. And we have actually a nice in-depth interview for you today, of course, because you probably saw it said orbs on the subject. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But yes. Tuesdays Daniel podcast that's correct now if we don't have an in-depth interview Daniel what are we going to be offering
1: we're going to be doing some in-depth talk about something that involves the space the space of technology so much we're, we're keeping the gaming more towards the video because gaming is very much so a a, a visual so, medium I think the podcast
0: will stick to like crypto technology, technology. And te- and crypto. so you'll get a lot of te- and I mean we'll still touch on gaming here and there when we have to um, there's actually a little gaming from this interview coming up. Uh, so yes, our iTunes is still there. Our iTunes is still absolutely one of our most important places to rate and review us. So again, check the Coinboys iTunes. If you're already subscribed or you, you forgot to hit the subscribe button, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, give us some stars and leave a review. It's a good way to rate us and help us when we're looking to to kind of expand and level up, yeah. Because we got this one,
1: uh, this one star review, and he had a point. That's why I was like, "Oh, okay, we got to really figure this out." Is that we was like, uh, "They haven't talked about crypto enough," and I'm like, "You know what?" In he listened to one weeks, episode. He listened to one episode. I could, I could think tell. It was the E3 episode. I, <laughs> get, probably. I could probably. I could tell, but and that's fine, which is fine. But still, nonetheless, we were like, "You know what?" There was there was some there's a reason why we're here, and we have to make sure that we stick to that reason a bit.
0: Yeah. And so I, I'm absolutely in love with the podcasts. That is the bread and butter of the Coinboys. So let's not forget that we are not going to forget how important this podcast has been to so, us. So don't forget that we're not going to forget. Yeah. Making so sure. <laughs> Anyway, again, and we'll just uh, lightly tell you, thecoinboys.com, it's got all kinds of stuff. We're, we're trying to get back into the blogging, we're doing, too. Uh,
1: we're doing a lot more, especially with this video now. So you're going to see that you, if you have not checked out our videos, you mm-hmm. uh, when when we do our video show, that will also be on on the Pod, uh, sorry, on the website as well as our podcast if you want to have one centralized in this decentralized world one centralized area to go go to the you can also follow us on at coinboys podcast on twitter and on ig yeah uh, which we will be showing a bunch of stuff on there as well
0: yeah and uh just to get right into it uh so we have a really it's been a minute since we had a chance to do an in-depth interview uh and we have a really interesting one here and it's tall all the way from Israel calling in about Orbs, Orbs Blockchain. He's the founder, and they have some interesting things they're going to talk about, about integration with businesses. Yeah. Well, well I, I would guess established businesses that aren't into crypto, right? Yeah. Something along so, those
1: lines. So, I mean, I checked out the website, and, and I was like, okay, so they bring businesses to the blockchain, but why and how and what's the point? And he answers those questions so well throughout this interview and really opens up your eyes on centralization versus decentralization and how both are necessary and both are unnecessary at the same time uh depending on the business depending on the model so he kind of goes through and
0: explains it all and um thank i mean we have to shout out to crypto leslie uh, yeah thank you so much crypto leslie for uh for recommending uh, the right project to us, too. Yeah. We appreciate that. We always love project yeah. recommendations. Uh, yeah. And we
1: are a bit picky. <laughs> we we are. And, and listen,
0: I want to keep that open to everyone. If you, you are with a PR crypto firm or anything, please email us. Or any if you're inquirers. just a
1: huge fan, yeah. a legitimate fan, and you're not a bot.
0: You <laughs> of, want us to something. check out a project. Basically, we will always look.
1: Probably not Deep Onion.
0: But <laughs> but, but we what we want to say is we will always look. That's yes. what we can promise you. Can we promise you that we'll always do every project? Absolutely not. Because we wouldn't be the coin boys.
1: And the best thing is, uh, since we are expanding, it doesn't just have to be blockchain. If there's a technology thing, is there something or, uh, you know, it has to do with gaming or technology? Augmented reality, augmented VR. Augmented reality, VR, whatever may be, uh, computer systems, robots. computers altogether. together. Robo- if you make robots, let me know. We need some more robots. I want talk. some robotic people on there. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so going back to the... To to at hand, thank Tall. you, Crypto Leslie, yeah. for bringing Tall over from Orbs.
0: So, why don't we get into this?
2: Here is Tall,
0: founder of Orbs. Uh, So
2: Orbs is a blockchain infrastructure, meaning it's uh, aiming towards app developers that want to build blockchain apps. Uh, And the interesting question is, what is the target audience? Uh, And for this, uh, I would say Orbs is a public blockchain for enterprise. And this should be interesting because you've never heard about this specific mix, because you usually have uh, private blockchains for enterprise or you have public blockchain for dApps but we're doing a public blockchain for enterprise which is a very very peculiar combination that you don't see around. Awesome. Now
1: th- and, and I do want to get into the the purpose of having an enterprise on a public versus private blockchain but we'll probably get into a very in-depth part of that. But first we want to learn a little bit about yourself.
0: Yeah, so
2: I know you're in Israel. Are you Israeli tall? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Israel. Although I lived in the U.S. for a couple of years, um, and and I have to say that you know one of the special things about the, about Israel is military service. You know, all of us have mandatory military service, and I myself, I, I served uh, five and a half years in, in the military uh, as an officer in the uh, in military intelligence. Um, wow, that's why. Yeah, it's pretty and cool. I, so I I know a-
1: Israel's Israel's uh, military is no joke. So that's that's pretty big. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. And you actually learn a lot there. You know, you, you go in when you're 18. You don't have your degree yet. You didn't go to college yet. And you start doing, you know, for me specifically, it was intelligence. So all I did was work with computers on security, cybersecurity and stuff like that. And you learn a lot. You gain, you know, work experience before you even study anything which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Do you, can I ask a question about that? And and I've been to Israel, but years ago, I was 16 the last time I went. That was 1996. <laughs> Just to give okay. you, and a lot's changed in all those yeah. years. I'm certain it has. Um, I went to a bar mitzvah. My cousin's bar mitzvah <laughs> was all the way, he did at the at the wall and everything. But I really need wow. to go back, first of all. <laughs> My experience then was really cool, but I know it's changed so much. And not only that, technologically, I feel like Israel has a lot to offer the world. Like, Waze is an Israeli-founded app. Am I am I wrong there? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no,
2: you're right. My my little sister works there. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah,
0: because Waze is like one of your biggest successful apps, I guess. That that's become very overly popular. You know, obviously, I ride Ubers all the time, so Waze. Is I listen part. to Cookie Monster tell me how to get around. That's <laughs> <fun>. nice. <laughs> so. So, OK, so you or so initially in the army, you had kind of ventured into kind of the computer realm with uh, with intelligence then. Right. And you were working on computers. So slowly tell us, how do, how do you get from there, there to here to Orbs? Like, how did you end up at Orbs and getting into crypto and blockchain?
2: Well, so, so I always knew that computers were my thing, uh, and it started then, and, and I got my security background and my cryptography background. And these are two tools that are very important to the field that we're in, uh, because it's, it's very difficult to learn cryptography and to do it in, in an applied setting. Um, but, but after I finished the military service, after five and a half years, I actually didn't want to do anything that has to do with security. Uh, so I actually went uh, and, and went to school and I studied electrical engineering in the Technin, which is uh, kind of like the Israeli MIT. And after I did that for a few years, I became an entrepreneur and I started building my own companies that did things that are completely not related to blockchain, but they're all technology related companies. Uh, and it was very important for me to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think entrepreneurship is kind of a core Israeli value. Um, you know, friends of mine from the army. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a company called PrimeSense. Uh, that's the company that did the original Kinect. Uh, so they went with oh, the we You mean like the, the Xbox Kinect? Oh, yeah, wait. the uh, Xbox Kinect. Oh, yeah, no way. A very, <laughs> yeah a very big success story. So lots of, you know, wow, friends that's or entrepreneurs. Really... It's something that's in the air here. Uh, it's very common to do that. Are Can I? Uh, so are they.
0: That's really interesting to me. I had no idea because I'm a, we're, we're huge gamers. And, you know, every interview we do, we feel like there's always some kind of connection to gaming. So it's just funny that you mentioned the connect. <laughs> yeah, so now. far it's been like
1: 100% everybody's had some sort of connection. Some, to some to sort g- of
0: separation, you know. So go ahead. Sorry to, to interrupt there.
2: Uh, no, I love gaming. I game myself. I'm actually playing. I, just on the weekend, I play Days Gone. <laughs> oh, no way. That's great. No? Oh, yeah. Awesome. I love hearing that. <laughs> um so so i was an entrepreneur and i started doing like having creating my own companies and it was very difficult the first one we did was a complete failure and you know we, we didn't know anything about business and how to do that but you know the thing about being an, inter, an entrepreneur is you know you're not afraid to fail second company well it actually broke even we actually made money and we kept afloat and <clears throat> we didn't raise money and that was a beautiful thing, but it didn't grow that much, so we stopped doing that. And the third company was a startup. It was actually in the mobile space. Uh, we had a platform that created uh, mobile apps for small businesses, um, and this company was actually successful. And I managed to sell it. Uh, so it was acquired by Wix.com. I'm not are familiar with Wix. Of course, yeah. uh, it's very popular yeah, so now
0: it's... as an alternative
1: to Squarespace. If you're a YouTuber, everybody knows Wix, basically. <laughs>
2: yeah, Wix exactly. is very popular. Yeah. Yeah, so so Wix is a, is an Israeli company, and Wix so, just had done it, their IPO uh, on NASDAQ, and the first company they acquired after the IPO was mine. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, so... That's
1: great. Can you say what your company had, had done that they had acquired?
2: Uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, our company created technology to create mobile apps, and it was in the big mobile app boom, and since nice. Wix creates websites, uh, the next logical step was to help businesses create mobile apps as well. Smart. smart. What year uh, was
0: that? That you came up with that
2: uh, around 2014. Okay. Um, okay. Good timing. Yeah, it I was guess. relatively relatively yeah, good it, timing. It, yeah. yeah, like before app fatigue. You know, because now we know that not every business needs a mobile app, but you know, may, many businesses do want, and it's not fair that only the Ebays and the Amazons of the world can afford to create them. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Um, yeah, so, so I've been there and and there it was a huge learning experience for me because you know it was a company of 2,500 people and it was a big enterprise and up until that point I was in small startups all my life. Um, so I've been there for a few years and after I finished my time at Wix I kind of like thought what was the next step and, and a friend of mine that was really into Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies and, and stuff like that told me Tal you have to look at that space and personally I was not very passionate about about the you know the speculative nature of of, of tokens and, and investing in ICOs and stuff like that. I'm more of a technology guy, and I, I had to have the the technology spark you know to get excited about it. Mm-hmm. And and I told him you know what like like show me like something big happening in the space. And he told me you know what. There is something big happening, like the big companies, those enterprises that you love so much. And remember, I'm like a mobile developer originally in, my, in, in the startup before. And they said, "You know, do you know Kick.com? They are moving to blockchain." And I said, "What? Not, no way! Like Kick is a regular company. It exists for ten yeah, years." Yeah, they uh, it, they wow? do Kin.
0: Yeah, they do
2: Kin. Why are they moving to blockchain? Like, I, like it's very interesting for me to to learn like the story. And you told me, "You know what? Like, I'm I'm in touch with them. Like, let's let's get you talking to them." and when and, and we've got to talking and one thing led to another and they offered me a position to lead their engineering team in blockchain wow uh yeah so wow, so like the cool. first thing i did was, was to lead the kin engineering team and build the blockchain to run the first app for a company that has you know like a billion dollar company that w- wanted to go all blockchain
1: <laughs> you, you uh, don't uh, what you uh, don't know right now is actually andy is a huge fan of Kin and has been talking it about funny, Kin for uh,
0: a very long time. I, and you know what's funny? I've been trying, I've tried for a long time to get Kin on the show for some reason. It's just always been really hard. And I don't know why. And even recently, we should have been able to. But it's nice to talk to someone that
2: came from Kin. So now,
1: (laughs) uh, probably the person we want to talk to about that. But anyways, continue. uh, Sorry. Well,
2: yeah, I worked there. It's like it wasn't my own thing. uh, But but it it was a huge learning experience. Cool. Uh, And and the main thing is that we try to launch a real app with users, and and we use Ethereum. Because that's originally, you know, what we had in production. It was more than two years ago. Um, And and it was a a very interesting concept to learn about the DApp. And what is a DApp? And how does a company look at a DApp? Because Kin is based, like many other DApps, on a token economy. Uh, And the infrastructure to run token economies, you know, like Ethereum, it didn't work. So that was another huge learning experience. um, Because, you know, when we tried to launch... Uh, CryptoKitties just launched, and and I remember on our launch day, you know, the traffic uh, um, became so expensive to send transactions to Ethereum just because of CryptoKitties' popularity that the launch was just completely yeah. broken. Yeah, they, they ruined Ethereum. Uh, like notes. basically blocked all the gas. <laughs> it was crazy. They blocked it up. Exactly, and and you know, and and I'm regular to to creating apps for millions of users. You know, that's what I did at Wix. You know, Wix has 150 million users, and it, I was amazed by how immature you know, the, the blockchain infrastructure to run these apps. You know, it could run apps that, that operate in, in relatively small scale, but something in kick scale, it couldn't do. Uh, so that was fascinating to me. And, 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 you know, I was obsessed with the whole scaling problem of it, you know, like half of the industry, everybody, you know, two years ago just dealt with scaling. Um, and, and many of the problems of scaling were not actually technological problem, but product problems. You know, I, I figured out that the product was designed in the wrong way. Uh, and I want to give you an example. Um, You know, most infrastructures that I'm used to, um, the more people use it, they get cheaper. You know, think about Amazon AWS. You know, you want to launch your servers in a centralized way. Um, And the more people use AWS, the cheaper AWS becomes because they can offer, you know, these computers at scale. Right. This is like the way things work. Yeah. Infrastructure always becomes cheaper the more people use it. Yeah. That's I'm, hoping for, Ethereum... that's I'm hoping
1: for jetpacks right now, so that way in the future jetpacks are far cheaper. So
2: good, good <laughs> Exactly. So 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 if you think about Ethereum, Ethereum actually works the, the opposite way. The more people use it, it becomes more expensive. And then I like I understood that like the, the model is broken. You know, they borrow too much from the financial world, you know, like kind of a bank transactions and, and, and a model of bank transactions is not really applicable for making apps. Uh, so so eventually I left Kik. Uh, Kik continued on to doing stuff with Stellar and, and things like that. And I said, no, I, I want to build my own infrastructure with, with everything I learned and everything I thought that, that blockchain should be. And I started focusing on Orbs. And that was how Orbs was born.
0: Wow. OK, so you come. That's great to hear. I, I like hearing when you're starting a new company that you you took the time of learning and 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 getting to a point where you're like you know what i have my own ideas now i know i can take what i've learned and try to make it better so let's get back to orb so that that's a great story man thanks so much for sharing that and and uh and also again we're we're i don't know if you know but we're very technologically focused so it's really cool to hear all the cool technology coming out of israel actually and i don't think daniel realized how many companies that are big and what's the name of that company that did the connect again I'm gonna have to look them up. Uh,
2: PrimeSense. PrimeSense. Uh, yeah, PrimeSense. They they were acquired by Apple, actually. Oh, oh and They cool. used the technology to do the face, uh, you know, the face recognition thing. Yeah. No. They use the technology
1: to steal my face. Wow. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, exactly. well,
2: so, so we're at Orbs,
0: um, and uh, could, so what was the big reason to create Orbs, or, or, or he, Daniel? He, well, he just recommended.
1: Well, he said something that uh, that that I've been complaining about for a long time is the more people use Ethereum, the more people use Bitcoin. The more expensive it gets because of how uh, because we need more we need more people to run the servers we we need more servers out there so that way everything runs faster. So since he does so so you came in with orbs, correct?
2: Yeah. So so if you think about it and and you start investigating why do these services become more expensive the more people use them instead of the opposite, you, you understand that it's because the capacity is limited. Uh, If you think about how much transactions you can cram in Ethereum, this number, no matter how big it is, it's fixed. And even if you look at Ethereum 2.0, which should be faster, the number is still limited. So so even Ethereum 2.0, which was, you know, like a re-architecture redesign with everything that they learned, they still haven't solved this very core problem. It will still become... Like Ethereum 2.0 will do 10,000 transactions per second instead of like 20, um, but it's still limited. Meaning the more people use it, the more expensive it's gonna become. And, and this is a fundamental problem of almost every blockchain out there that I know of. You know, look, at, look at EOS, works the same way. Uh, look at Cosmos, Tezos. Every blockchain out there has limited capacity. So I think the first architectural change that we made is we made the blockchain scale together with a number of ants. Uh, so this is a very unique aspect to the orb architecture. Um, I, I want to give you, there, there are so many more, you know, there are so many weird product decisions that were made in blockchain infrastructures that just people keep on doing. Let me show you another one. Um, yeah, for, for example, who pays for the infrastructure costs on Ethereum? That would be the public. Am I wrong? Yeah, the, the users, the end users oh, of them. man, that was a good yeah. test. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, right. yeah, as you know, if you want to send a transaction, you have to put the fee, and, and, and you pay the fee out of your Ether balance. and And that's how every blockchain works. Like, that's the way things are. And if you think of why did they do this this way, it's because the entire model was borrowed from the financial sector. You know, what, how does it work in a bank? If, you, if I sent money to you in, in my bank, then I would pay the fee. Like some percentage would be paid as fee. So it was a very direct translation to the world of apps. But think about real apps in the world, you know, like Facebook Messenger. You use Facebook Messenger. Uh, who's paying the infrastructure costs for Facebook Messenger?
1: It should be Facebook. By way of that Facebook, attendance. it's not you. Yeah.
2: thank <laughs> God. Exactly. Yes. So think that like every message that you send on Facebook Messenger costs a, a cent that is sent to Amazon, AWS, or something, and, and and it's not the end user that is paying it. It's Facebook. The app itself needs to subsidize its users. And why does it work this way? Because of you know that's how consumers work. You know if you had told a consumer hey man you want to use my service you need to pay up to use it up front before you know what value it gives you nobody would use your service and the world knows that so if, even if you think about that this model is fundamentally broken in ethereum and, and similar blockchains because if you want to create apps for end users you can't have the end users paying for transactions so this was another big light bulb and in orbs we actually changed this whole model we we don't have transaction fees uh, in orbs so that's another interesting difference okay um, so 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 everything we did in the beginning kind of was focused very strongly around the technology and and we when we did that for about a year and it was the big ico boom you know of 2016 you mm-hmm. know to, to 2018 before crypto winter started yeah and, 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 we, and we worked with many companies you know, that, that all wanted to create dApps. We worked with a big advertising company in Israel, um, and, 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 it, and it's a billion-dollar company as well. They have 700 employees, and they set out to create a dApp for advertising. And we worked with a payment company um, that actually did you know, the payments uh, for Wix, uh, and they wanted to create a dApp for another reason. And, and it was amazing to see all of these dApps forming, Um, But then you know what happened? Crypto winter came and all of these dApps disappeared. So this was another pivotal moment for me because I kind of like stopped and to think like, are these dApps a good idea or not? And and the conclusion that I came to, that Orbs came to is that dApps are not the future. And this is also something pretty profound because if you look at most blockchains out there, everybody's set is creating infrastructure to create dApps. You know, look at Cosmos, Tezos, Ethereum. They're focused around DApps. Um, and if you see DApps, DApps failed. Like, how many companies tried to create a decentralized Uber? There was so many. I don't many. know.
1: There's, There's like, like, so, be, so, like many,
0: so, uh, so many DApps trying to create the yeah.
1: decentralized this, the
2: decentralized that. Yeah, and it and was and just exactly. Crazy. Like, and and how many of these survived? Like, do you oh, know man. any of any these that that's, are actually working? It was yeah. very, it was very few
1: because it ended up being way too expensive for the service uh, on several occasions for one of the things. Because as the as crypto winter came in, the the you're spending a lot more Ethereum or you're spending a lot more Tesla or whatever. Every Some of time. those
0: companies didn't even have working utilities, so they were just hoping and dreaming with their DApps too. So don't forget, there were companies that would come out and say, "We're working on this," and that would just never yeah. come out. Yeah, <laughs> even,
2: even Kodak did like a decentralized oh, yeah. something. Yeah, right. and you don't see any of these things working. And this is pretty insane in my eyes, because, you know, many of these companies like Kodak, they have money. You know, even the advertising company that we worked with, uh, they wanted to raise money through an ICO. And because of Crypto Winter, these plans were derailed and they stopped. They didn't do the ICO eventually, so they didn't have funding, but they they were a pretty big company. And, and they were not funding this DAP on their own money. So it, this kind of like showed me that they're not really sure about the whole DAP model themselves, about the value of it. And, and, and I came to thinking, like, is it a centralized Uber really a good idea or not? And, and I have to tell you that I came to the conclusion that it actually isn't. Uh, and I think that's pretty interesting to discuss because you know there are a few DApps out there that can be successful, and you know uh, Orbs is a DApp, by the way. Like every decentralized permissionless blockchain infrastructure, every public blockchain like Ethereum, Tezos, and Cosmos, all of them are DApps because they are decentralized project based on a token economy. It's not a for-profit business. Um, but if you look at the, like the top two hundred uh, tokens out there, and you see which of them are succeeding, you don't see any dApps in there. What you see is blockchain infrastructure, and what you see is cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. That's the only two things you see, and many people claim that these are the only two working models for dApps that we actually have proven. And all these apps that dream about decentralizing advertising and decentralizing uh, ride sharing and decentralizing whatever, decentralizing gaming, uh, all of these will fail. And I have to say that I agree. And the reason for that is, is because you can't have a decentralized Uber compete with Uber. You know, like I understand this approach. You know, people are saying that Uber is a middleman. And and people don't like middlemen because middlemen like Uber, they capture a lot of value. You know, they connect the drivers to the passengers. They're not doing anything themselves, quote unquote. They're not, you know, driving the cars or paying the drivers. They're just, you know, matchmaking. And they're making most of the money. So people naturally are saying, this is not fair. Let's cut Uber out. Let's cut the middlemen, And let's have a decentralized peer-to-peer economy where drivers find passengers directly. So this is the story of the decentralized Uber. And, and it's a very nice idealistic story, but it doesn't work. And the reason for that is that Uber Inc., the company, is actually bringing a lot of value into the equation here. You know, you can't really create Uber without a company running it, without a for-profit business running it. You know, imagine all the regulatory fights that Uber has to do to get drivers to ride. Imagine all the you know commercials on TV that they do. Like a decentralized project has, it's very difficult for it to, to work at that scale. Well, you, you know, make a, peer-to-peer economy is important. You also make a
0: Shh. you make a point too, because I'm an Uber rider. A lot of times, no. I don't drive as much, uh, and uh, there's things that you want a company to take care of. If you get in a car accident as an Uber driver, if it was decentralized, it would be on you. Um, So a centralized company, you're actually talking me into the fact that a centralized company makes sense for these types of services.
2: Um, Exactly. And I think this is a big deal because, you know, the main idea about the DApp is the business model. And the fact that a peer-to-peer token business model is not competitive relative to a company like Uber Inc. That is the problem. The company Uber Inc. will always run faster. Will always be more aggressive, and will always create better products for consumers. So this was very enlightening for us because in the beginning we created an infrastructure to run DApps, and, and and now we don't believe that DApps exist anymore. Uh, so we had kind of like a, a big. I don't know like like a a crisis like an existential crisis like who are we building this infrastructure for and and you know what clicked is is that i finally understood that the ubers of the world these middlemen that the web3 movement tries to cut out they will be the customers they will be the companies that use blockchain And, and this became a very interesting mission to explore because if the ubers of the world need blockchain and eventually will use blockchain if you if you believe this vision then this is where the technology will click you know because everybody it's very evident that the technology has not clicked yet you know blockchain is relatively not widely used Most of the people in the world don't use blockchain. They don't use apps that are running on blockchain. The world is still very, very centralized. And if you want to start taking aspects of it and making them more permissionless and decentralized, you need to start with the companies that have the users. And these companies are the Ubers. That's not the DApp startups that have very, very huge difficulties growing up. Uh, You have to be able to sell your solution to Uber Inc. And this is what we've been doing uh, since then. Um and, and this is also, you know, it's an interesting area because you know Uber Inc is an enterprise. And then you go and you learn what is the enterprise today doing with blockchain. And we started investigating that because there is a huge adoption of blockchain in the enterprise today. Like you've heard about Walmart doing blockchain. Uh, like every company that I, I heard of is doing some. like Starbucks is, has been doing a blockchain project with Microsoft. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah. So many of the enterprises, many of the big companies that you know are experimenting with the technology. And you know what's, what's like common to all of these use cases that you see these companies doing? I've... All of them? All of them are private. Private blockchain. Yeah, because I was going to say, because
1: Facebook's Libra is definitely, absolutely private blockchain. Uh, Yeah,
2: Facebook Libra is completely permissioned. And, 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 And you know what struck me as weird? Because, you know, what is private blockchain, actually? Like, how different it is from a database that we had 40 years ago? Like, what's the big difference? Because what is the message that Bitcoin brought us, you know, that created the blockchain disruption? And this message was permissionlessness, the fact that nobody owns it, the infrastructure. And if you do go around and, and you, you know, utilize this disruption to something permissioned, I think you kind of miss the whole point. Uh, so this also struck me as something, you know, very annoying that all the enterprises I see, you know, they are the businesses, they have the money, they have the users, and all of them are missing out on the big disruption of the field which is the public blockchain, the permissionless blockchain like Ethereum that nobody owns. So, you know, it, it was kind of like a like a big mismatch, like a big dichotomy in the market. All the interesting businesses are doing something meaningless. They're doing private, private blockchain, which is not really a blockchain. And all the public blockchains, the truly permissionless ones, are aiming for dApps that will never succeed. So, you know, this is why the industry is not moving anywhere. And then it became kind of my 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 mission to connect the two, to figure out how to get the enterprise, these businesses, these real businesses like Uber, to use a public blockchain. And and this is, I think, the story of orbs. Interesting. That's,
1: yeah, that was that was a lot, but it was really oh, oh, no, it was great because it's something that you know I've 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 been that person saying oh decentralize this, decentralize all of that, just decentralize it all, kind of a uh, situation. Um, you know, and i and I was voting for a, a a decentralized Uber essentially, as opposed to a business running it. But I see, but I knew that the problem one of the problems was definitely going to be marketing and make you know who you know who takes responsibility if something goes wrong because that's you know that's when things become very dangerous. Um, like on Craigslist, you I can list something on Craigslist myself. But I've heard many stories of very things, things going south because there was no check. There's no background check on any of this stuff. So um, uh, it's a very interesting concept. I like it.
0: Uh, also, I think what's important is that you're going after companies with existing users. And one problem exactly. in crypto is all these companies are bringing out utilities and yada, blah, 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 blah. But there's no users. And if there's no users, there's no adoption for anything. And that's the problem is that there's all these products. And sure, this blockchain is really great and all, but are there any users? Now, if you're attacking companies with existing users, and yes, it's sort of a private blockchain, but at least a company could say, you know, we don't know anything. Maybe we can go after orbs to help us create a private blockchain or a blockchain that will help our company. And we could still provide... So if you decentralize Uber... You could still rely on a centralized company to take care of all the, the little things, like you got in a car accident or someone ran you over with an Uber, the insurance, exactly.
2: all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So I understand. But, but big, I understand that.
2: Yeah, but, but but the big problem I had that as a technology, you know, passion, the technological person, you know, that's passionate about the technology, I couldn't get myself to do the private blockchain projects because private blockchain is meaningless it's kind of like an oxymoron it's like it's a word that that is a complete opposite like a blockchain has to be decentralized it cannot be private nobody can control the blockchain like if you like a private blockchain is not a real world word yeah. and it's it's just like a centralized database there is literally no difference so i couldn't get to do that um, but still, I had to go after Uber. So I, it took a little, like... So you actually did months. good. This wasn't
0: just you talking about Uber as an example. You actually do good. Uh, just well, to clarify. I,
2: I, I, well, we'll still, I think <laughs> Uber, uh, it's going to be a little far before Uber okay, but, go, goes after a blockchain. Got it. But, but I think is that what we need to do as the people, you know, as the visionaries who understand the technology is see the business value that blockchain, that permissionless blockchain like Ethereum would bring a company like Uber. And I think this is the big story. Uh, I think this is the big use case that people are chasing. You know, everybody's asking, what business pain does blockchain solve? Like, why do businesses need blockchain? Like, what can be achieved with blockchain that couldn't have been done before? And people are actually having a pretty hard time putting the finger on it, you know, because decentralization as a value is not very valuable for Uber. Like, why would Uber Inc want to decentralize? Like, decentralization onto itself, it's not business value. For them. it's, it's actually not going to take it's not logical actually it's, exactly it's going to take them out of the equation so, so the first thing we did is we started defining blockchain a bit differently we stopped defining the public blockchain around decentralization and we started defining it around something else and that is guarantees and accountability Because a different way to look at blockchain is blockchain, public blockchain, I mean like Bitcoin or Ethereum, is the technology to create, write code that actually does what it says it does. And if you think about it, like what is the big thing that Bitcoin gave us? Like why is Bitcoin innovative? Like what value do people see in Bitcoin? The value is not decentralization. People, the users of it don't understand decentralization. I think the value is accountability, the guarantees, the fact that the monetary policy of Bitcoin is guaranteed, the fact that the scarcity of Bitcoin is guaranteed, you know, you don't have any scarce resource on earth, even gold is not scarce, uh, you can find an asteroid, like, and, 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 and mine it for gold, mm-hmm. like, I've, I've literally just read Uh, an article about that, like that somebody's sending a spaceship to mine an asteroid.
1: Yeah, I I know Uh, that they're doing something for diamonds too on that thing. So I'm on (laughs) board.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so, So to make a system that has guaranteed scarcity, that even the people who control it can't change that scarcity. This is the big, I think, idea of blockchain. The fact that you have a system or an application that gives you a very strong guarantee that even the people who are creating this application wouldn't be able to change their mind later. And I think this was very evident in Bitcoin that it it works. You know, like the miners at Bitcoin, they have a very strong incentive to create more Bitcoins, like to change the scarcity. And they can't do that, uh, even though they are operating the network. And I think if you look at all the systems out there and all the applications out there, you know, you don't have that trust. You don't have that guarantees. If Uber tells you something, you have to trust Uber. If Yelp tells you that a review is really a review, you have to trust Yelp. And we all know that this trust amounts to pretty much nothing. Like, you know, when you go to a a restaurant and you go to Yelp and you look at the reviews, do you trust the reviews?
0: It depends. I mean, it really honestly depends. On Yelp, it's a tough one.
2: Exactly. exactly. Like, you know, I've heard so many stories about businesses saying that Yelp is telling me to pay them to hide the negative reviews. Right? No, that,
1: that is for sure. That is absolutely true. I, had, I used to do uh, social media marketing for, for some companies and uh, restaurants and stuff. And the, Yelp would just try to uh, basically strong arm them uh, and, and force them to do something that really shouldn't be necessary, especially when me as a user, I came into Yelp thinking that it was an equal playing field when in fact it's exactly. Yelp manipulating
2: yeah. everything and why is it because they have a financial incentive to do so exactly and and, and they're not accountable for doing that because nobody knows what happens inside it all happens under the hood you can only speculate but imagine that yelp was able to write a code in a way that any user at home could verify it just like they can verify bitcoin imagine that yelp could prove to you that their algorithm that they're using to sort the reviews is indeed what they're claiming that is running. They would be able to create a higher level of trust with you as a user. And and, and you ask yourself, like, why the hell would Yelp do that? Like, they make money off of not doing that. And I would answer you that eventually this will happen. You know why? Because it's a competitive market. And and Yelp makes their money, not of, like, scheming and scamming the businesses and and strong-arming them. Yelp is making the money because users are using it. Because it's a hub that every consumer uses when they want to go to a restaurant. And eventually there will be a Yelp competitor that, you know, like that says, you know what, I'm going to be accountable for my reviews. And I'm going to prove to you guys that these reviews are not fake and we don't hide them for money. And the service that does that, they would get your restaurant uh, reservation. So I think trust is a fundamental thing that is actually missing in today's business. world, And, and the more and more consumers are are getting to demand it, you know, look at Facebook. Like, how pissed off are you of what Facebook is doing to your data? Oh, 100%. And that's
1: that's the whole purpose of this podcast. We were very upset with a lot of the things that companies are doing. So that's why we're pushing for so many decentralized stuff that we're searching for the ones that are honest, the ones that are truthful, the ones that are open about what they're doing.
2: But what is the problem That, that the solution that the world gives you, that the Web3 world gives you, is telling you, let's throw Facebook and create a decentralized Facebook? But this will never happen. You know that this will never happen because a dapp, a Facebook dApp without Facebook com, like without the company, yes. will not succeed. They will never get adoption. So, so the trick is, like, how do we get Facebook to start being accountable to what it's doing and using blockchain technology to show you this accountability? And, and, and this will happen. And I'll tell you why. Did you look at all of Mark uh, Zuckerberg's presentations, like in the last year or so, you know like privacy was the, like the main thing yeah. written on, on all of them right they're sure. like trying to change their image like pri- like if facebook will tell you we're the most private privacy conscious company in the world we want to prove it to you mm-hmm. and do you believe them no you don't
1: no but it's a nice daily joke when i go on my feed and they say we've just checked to make sure that your stuff is private good job I'm like, thanks
2: exactly so imagine that i give you a technology to facebook that they could write code in their system, and this code would be accountable to what it's doing. So even if Facebook employees would want to you know like sell your data to somebody else or do something that you're not supposed to, they won't be able to. And the technology would guarantee that. If they would write their system, With this technology, this would be a way to win your trust because they would kind of lock themselves out of, of, you know, like fudging everything and and changing things around. And I want to give you an example with Uber. And and, and I'll give you a small example just so you see this value for Uber Inc. Okay. And and I'll give you a personal pain of mine. So I was in in May. I was in New York blockchain week. So so I took Uber there and I was in the conference and I had a meeting uh, at the other side of town. And, and, and I wanted to take Uber. So, so I had like 45 minutes to get there. And, and, and I looked at Uber. Uber said 30 minutes. And I looked at the subway, and the subway said 30 minutes. So naturally, I took the Uber. And do you know how, la- how late I was to the meeting? <laughs> uh, very, probably. It, <laughs> it's New York. And you're it driving. took me exactly. It took me over an hour on Uber to get there. So I was actually about 20 minutes late to this meeting that I waited for a month to get to. I had to travel half across the world to get to that meeting. Wow. And I was late for 20 minutes just because Uber showed me 30 minutes. And, 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 you know, I was pissed off. You know, you had you had to hear me yelling <laughs> at the driver. Yeah. And, and I was like saying, Uber, you showed me 30 minutes. You guys, you know that it's not 30 minutes. If you had run Waze, you know, Waze yeah. is pretty accurate. Like, why are you showing me 30 minutes if it took an hour and 15? And, and you know, Uber is going to say, you know what, Tom? Uh, No, it's traffic. We can't predict it. Like, we show you the number that we believe is right, but all of us know that they're incentivized not to show me the right number, and it's just operating under the hood, and I have no way of checking it. So this is exactly the fundamental thing that is missing. Like, Uber has no way to prove to me that it's doing what it's actually doing. So imagine... With the competition, you know, and it's a winner-takes-all market, that Lyft comes along and says, you know what? Uber has 70% of the market. We want to beat them. And you know how we're going to beat them? We're going to beat them through trust. We're going to give our users more trust than Uber gives their users. And how are we going to do that? We're going to be starting, we'll start being accountable to the stuff that we say. So one of the ways, and we can actually implement that tomorrow, we don't need to wait for technologies in five years, but what you could do, is you could use a public blockchain to actually report every time they show you a number, the estimate of how long it's going to take you to drive, and you write that on a blockchain. And when you get to the destination, they would just write the time that you got there on the blockchain. And, and the blockchain, the beautiful thing about it, that it's immutable. It's a neutral ground. They can change what's in the database. And what a user could do, is at the end of the year, like go and see how close were the estimates. And they would see that the estimates for Lyft were 10% off and the estimates for Uber were 30% off. And then they would choose Lyft because Lyft tells them the truth. And you had a way to prove that. And the only way this could work is on a public blockchain. Why? Because if you use the centralized server, you know, for storing this data, Uber employees could change the data and just show you the numbers that they want to show you. So I think this is the interesting place that blockchain is going to start taking in the world. It's like allowing these businesses to form a new way of trust with their users by guaranteeing certain aspects of the products that they're building.
1: Okay. I, that's That sounds awesome. And it's definitely absolutely what I've been waiting for for a while now, uh, ever since I've started to get into blockchain technology and, and putting on my tinfoil hats and all that stuff. Uh, um, but... So, so they come to orbs to be put on that public blockchain. So my, so what's what's ringing in my head, and it's going to be a bad word, uh, Equifax. Um, there's what is we we trusted Equifax to make sure that they kept the companies honest in terms of our privacy, our data, and we trusted them with with you know making sure that they took care of that aspect and and and, and giving us proper scores. But it's turned out to be hell on earth. Uh, for a lot of reasons, um, so orbs—the idea of, of orbs, you know, being that third party to keep them honest—I want to know what is it that you guys are doing. I know you're on a public blockchain, but how are you guys keeping that decentralized? How are you guys able to bring them in and keep the whole thing decentralized and running on your blockchain?
2: Okay, uh, so so that's like so. First of all, we need to understand that when I say that orbs is a public blockchain, that means that orbs itself is a DApp orbs is a decentralized project it's not owned by anyone it's open source all the validators and operators of the network are permissionless i don't choose them they choose themselves uh there is a token economy just like on ethereum or just like on tezos and cosmos Uh, we specifically uh, rely on proof of stake and that means that anyone can participate in operating the network Uh, they just join the proof of stake ecosystem and they can be part of it Uh, and that kind of like Keeps the system very, I would say, fair in a sense that no company can take control over it and any user or any participant can be part of running it. So basically, you know, if you take Uber's app or Equifax's app, if they decide to run it on a blockchain, you could be one of the operators who run the app for them. Uh, So this is the cool part. Like the infrastructure is decentralized, but the app itself is not necessarily, it's still operated by a business. Uh, So, and you mentioned Equifax, like how can we use blockchain technology uh, to to guarantee you that Equifax is not misusing your data? And and there's actually a way to do that. And and it's not very difficult. You could actually do that with a smart contract. And, And the way it would work is that Equifax would guarantee to you through a smart contract how they're going to be accessing and storing and saving your data? Yeah. Uh, so one of the big things is that Equifax. Um, I, I think even like what they had was a mistake. Like like imagine that they had a database with all of the user data on there, and they just threw it out.
1: Yeah, you know, That's basically th- what they the com-
2: <laughs> yeah they threw the computer you know to the trash. Somebody found the hard drives there, you know, by a mistake, and you know just scanned and got everybody's data out of it. So how can we guarantee, like if we were like a better Equifax, that we can't make this mistake? And we can do this on a blockchain, on a public one, uh, by writing a smart contract. And how would that that work? Uh, So first of all, we would not store the data on our own computers. We would store it on our blockchain. And second of all, we would need to guarantee privacy. So there's a little misconception that a public blockchain is not private. Uh, and, and it's just a choice of work. And, and it, that's not true. It's a misconception in the market. You have privacy in private blockchains, and you can have privacy on public blockchains. Uh, so privacy is all about encryptions, ZTP. You mentioned that you love technology. So zero-knowledge proofs. You're probably familiar with the term. Uh, so there are a lot of ways to add privacy to the blockchain. So one of the ways, the simplest ways, is to encrypt your data. So every time your data is stored on the blockchain by Equifax, it would be encrypted. And what you could do is give them permission to access the data, and you could revoke their access to read the data when you don't want them to read anymore. So if you wanted to, for example, delete your data from Equifax, you could do that just by revoking their access to it. And the fact that this can be guaranteed to you by a smart contract, it kind of makes the rules of the game very, very strict. And Equifax themselves, they don't run the app. So they can't make any mistake about how it works. Uh, so they could guarantee to you that your data will be deleted when you say it will. Uh, they can guarantee to you, for example, that every time they access your data, it will be logged. And you could see that log somewhere and you would know how often they access it. Uh, so all of these problems that you mentioned with companies that you don't trust today, we could solve all of these pains relatively easy, easily with a blockchain. And this is just not something that they're used to be doing. There's a lot of education that we need to do to get there with these companies.
1: Well, oh, cool! Thank you, doctor. I had a lot of pains in these businesses. And <laughs> this sounds like a good prescription.
0: Yeah. Well, this was absolutely uh, super informative. And I just wanted to ask you one more question to kind of lead out of the interview is what, what does the future hold for you guys in the next uh, the short the short term, I would say, the short term future.
2: uh, And uh, also let us know where we could find you guys as well. So so about the short term, I think, you know, if, if you meant like, I think it's relatively easy to understand the pains that blockchain can solve for real for profit businesses like Equifax and Uber. The big problem is education because all of these companies today blockchain is so you know popular and so much hype that uber they have a pm a product manager that has to you know deal with blockchain they don't have any blockchain projects but they do have somebody in the organization that studied blockchain and if you go to that person and you ask them you know what does blockchain give you they would tell you nothing we looked we're completely confused but everything we see around us we don't understand the value we don't understand why we need it so the first step is education like we need to be working with these companies and get this message across because this message is is a paradigm shift about how trust is achieved and 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 the, these companies are not used to doing these you know changes so the education is difficult and we're doing it you know just step by step we're actually going to companies we're doing workshops at these companies we're sitting with their developers and we're showing them the use cases you know like one person at a time and one by one we'll teach them uh so that's what we're doing in the short you know like starting to emerge these actual valuable use cases for public blockchain uh for real companies um where you can learn about orbs is go like first of all it's an open source project on github uh just go to orbs network and you'll see everything there Uh, Everything is MIT, uh, if you know your licenses. That means anyone can use it, anyone can contribute. Um, And go to Orbs.com, has a lot of information, all the white papers are there. You'll find a forum for the community. You can talk to to us or all the other contributors and, and be part of it. You know, what we're building is a community, an ecosystem, and we want everybody to be part of it okay, so we haven't done an in-depth
0: interview in a minute, and that was in-depth. That was really in-depth. It was. You should have seen our faces listening
1: to him, because it was like two boys in school going, what? This yeah, is- so
0: <laughs> if you ever listen to some of our interviews, you know, if we're talking a lot, it means that we're trying to get answers to things, right? But Tall was very well spoken, and you could hear us. We're literally—you don't hear us because we're listening to Tall. And I, I know he was long-winded, but in a such a good way. Yeah. Um. He
1: even said himself off, off the air. He's like, "Oh, that was so. It felt like a speech, but I'm like, you know, it was necessary information." It was,
0: and he was very well spoken. He spoke in a way that we like to hear. He was speaking in a layman's term, like he was really trying to clarify things in a in a non-blockchain way if that makes any sense yeah. like in a mainstream uh f- he took a mainstream stream like uh I don't know how how to say it like yeah, effort or approach, approach approach thank you so uh, <laughs> but
1: what I loved is that he he had the he had answers uh, very solid answers especially because the, uh, after he after I understood exactly what Orbs was trying to do and I feel like they could obviously easily do it especially with his background um I did have the concern how do we trust Orbs and he has and he definitely explained that a lot. So if this project like works out, I really hope that we can, he can bring trust back into these companies that we have absolutely lost trust in, or at least the style of companies that we have absolutely lost trust in.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I nothing else I can really say then I can't wait to, to look forward to what's happening next. Yeah. So. We
1: look forward to what's happening.
0: Yeah. So again, everybody, uh, Tuesdays podcast. Wednesdays. Wednesday live edited version of our live mob crush stream. No, actually sorry.
1: Hang on. Let's clarify that 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 word right there. Wednesdays will be our mob crush video show, but on Mondays if you want to see us live, we will be broadcasting live on live
0: on the mob crush main site. Yes. yes.
1: So uh and you see everything, mistakes and all. It's gonna be really fun. Uh, yeah. for that it's like an hour, hour and a half. It's about next. an hour. So uh we start uh that live stream around twelve thirty ish, twelve forty five ish. Just kind of depends on, on when that goes through. Yep. Uh, and when we start there. So um take a look out. You uh be uh hit us up on alerts through our Twitter because we let everybody know when we're about to go live on Twitter.
0: Yeah, and uh and thank you so much for being with us all this time uh, a lot more to come a lot more of of what we've always done as well and i just want to be clear clear about that we haven't been able to uh and i'm andy i'm daniel see you guys next week peace